Let us pray. Lord, our word for the moment is open. We wait for you with open hearts, open ears, and open eyes. And as we open your word, we ask that your spirit will move upon our open hearts. We ask that our open ears will receive your truth, will receive the gospel message that is proclaimed through your word. We ask that our eyes will be open so that the distractions of our own mind, our own hearts, the distractions of this world will not blind us. They may compete for our attention, Lord, but keep us focused on you. We ask that you open our mouths to proclaim your truth that we hear here today. Lord, we wait in your presence, open and ready to receive the power and the truth of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 4 through 17. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture and from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is the uh, final week in our our series on the Old Testament covenants. And uh, if you've noticed all of these covenants, even though they were made through... um, 
through Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, all these historical key figures of the Old Testament, they pertain to us. And you, and you may or may not have noticed, but they also build on each other. Each covenant relies on the covenant before it. For example, we, we talked about the, the covenant God made with Noah, that he was not going to turn his back on creation. No matter how wicked the world had become, God was not going to abandon his creation. Well, then he makes a covenant with Abraham that out of that creation that he wasn't going to abandon, there would arise a people that would be his people. And through these people, he would make known this, this, this plan, this way of salvation, this way of redeeming the creation that he wasn't going to turn his back on. And then after he made that promise to Abraham, and, and we realized that, that even though that promise just included the people of Israel at first, we, through faith, are adopted into that covenant. And the church becomes true Israel. We become uh, part of that, that, that covenant, that promise. And then he makes the promise to, to uh, Moses. And this is what we talked about last week, that he said, My promise is based on grace, and I will deliver you. I have delivered you, and I will continue to deliver you because of my grace. But I want you to participate in the covenant with me. I want you to obey me, to, to declare yourself as my people. And so that brings us to this week where he makes the covenant with David. Uh, David is the king over Israel, over these people, these chosen people of God who are participating in the covenant. And, and David uh, is talking to, to God, and, uh, and God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you that you will always, your descendants will always be the ruler over my people. And from your uh, lineage, from your descendants, someone will, will reign forever over my people. Now we have to unpack that a little bit because we, we have to, to realize the promise that's being made. It's not just a promise for the foreseeable future. It's not just a, a promise through human history or the history of earth. This is an eternal promise. This is a promise that lasts forever. If you look back at the passage we just read, we, we see that uh, God refers to Solomon. He refers to David's direct offspring, his direct descendant, in, in verse 14, where he says, I will be to him a father, he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. He's talking about David's direct descendant, the son, Solomon. He's saying, because this is your child, I will be his father as well. And I will watch over him. And I'm not going to take the throne away from him, no matter what he does. But I will discipline him. I will correct him if he gets out of line. And so we know he's talking about Solomon. But then uh, elsewhere he is implying that he is talking uh, about, about Jesus in other places of the covenant. When he says in verse 13, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And then again in verse 16, he says, your throne shall be established forever. He is saying, this goes beyond your son. This goes beyond Solomon. This goes beyond the one that I, I will deal fairly with and be a father to. This will go on forever, throughout all eternity. And the only way God can make a covenant like that. The only way that God can make an everlasting, eternal covenant that a descendant of David will always, forever be ruling over God's people is if the person who eventually comes to that throne 
is an eternal being. So God is talking about in the future Jesus Christ, who is the king of kings, who sets up his throne, being the ruler over his people, true Israel, for all time. And that, and, and we know as, as we go into the New Testament and, they, and two different passages, they trace Jesus' lineage all the way back to David. So we know that this covenant that is being established with David pertains to the throne being passed down. It, it, it pertains to David's lineage until it gets to Jesus. And Jesus is the eternal king over God's chosen people, which includes us if we are adopted into that covenant through our faith. But that covenant, just like the other covenants, just like the covenant we talked about last week, requires participation. It requires us to to be adopted in by our faith. It requires for us to see ourselves as part of God's people and to accept ourselves as God's people and allow Christ to reign over us. If you look, uh, if, if you turn, uh, you don't have to turn, it's just one verse, uh, one book over in uh, the book of 1 Kings, chapter 8, uh, Solomon is talking to God, and Solomon says, Now therefore, Lord God of Israel, keep your servant David, my father, what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me as you have walked before me. In other words, Solomon is is talking to God and Solomon is saying, I recognize this covenant you made with my father and I recognize that it's conditional, that it involves us being faithful to you. It involves obedience to you. Any covenant you make with me or with my father involves our faith being placed in you. Now, unfortunately, Solomon did not walk right before God forever. Solomon sinned. And so a few chapters after this, in in 1 Kings chapter 11, God tells Solomon, I've I've got to take the throne away from you. He says, but I'm not going to take it away from you because I promised your father, David, that I wouldn't. But I'm going to take it from your son. But I'm not going to take it all the way from your son. What I'm going to do is I'm going to divide the kingdom and all these tribes of Israel are going to have a different king that is not in your bloodline. But because of this covenant made to David and because of the covenant made to my people through David and because of of the eternal king that is to come from your bloodline, I'm not going to take it all the way from you. Your, Your son will have a small kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, That will be what your son reigns over. And so God did not completely take the throne away. But because of Solomon's sin, God did did punish him, just as he told David that he would. But what's fascinating is, is as you go through Israel's history after this, they end up being captured. They end up being um, uh, taken into exile. and and, And the dynasty is no more. Several generations after this, there are no more kings of Israel. They end up in a foreign land with foreign leaders and foreign rulers ruling over them. But somehow we still have all of this. 
And that's because there was a faithful remnant. There was a group of people who remained faithful to God, who still identified themselves as God's chosen people, the people of Israel. And these, these faithful people during exile, it's thanks to them that we have the Old Testament in written form because most of what we have that is written was actually put to pen and paper during the exile. Uh, before then, a lot of this had just been oral uh, tradition and oral history. And during exile, you had this faithful remnant who put it all down in ink. And they kept records of the lineage. And that's how we know when we get to the New Testament who Jesus' ancestor was because of this faithful remnant. And it's because there was a group of people that were faithful that eventually David was able to, to say, yes, my, my descendant, my far descendant, will still be king, will still be the ruler. And, and that, of course, was Jesus many, many generations later. But God was able to establish that promise and carry it out as long as there were people who participated in that covenant, who obeyed him, who remained faithful to him. So why is all of this important for us? Because it is up to us to remain the faithful remnant. You see, Jesus is still the king. Jesus is the eternal king over his people, true Israel. But there has to be a true Israel. There has to be people who, who accept that, who have received that by faith, and who allow Jesus to reign, who allow his kingdom to move among us and in the world around us. Every week when we, we take up the offering, I pray, uh, advance your kingdom. Bless these gifts and, and use them to advance your kingdom. And what are we talking about? What are we saying? We're saying that regardless of what city we're in, what nation we're in, what, what culture we're in, Jesus Christ can still reign wherever his people are faithful and wherever they allow him to reign and have authority. You see, this passage that I just read, it began with, with God asking David, why, David uh, why are you building me this house? I didn't ask for you to build me a house. Wherever you've gone, throughout the desert, throughout where, wherever your people have traveled, I have been there. And I will continue to be there with you forever, wherever you allow me to reign. When you go to Disney World, there's... Uh, Every ride, every event, every attraction has a long line, and uh, there's, there's usually a clock up somewhere that tells you how long the wait is going to be. And we went this past January, and, and I remember standing there looking at that clock and thinking, uh, how, how do they know? How do they know that from right here it's going to take me you know, an hour and 17 minutes to get to the front of the line or whatever it's going to be? And then I realized what they do is, is they give someone in the line a card. And you stand there and you wait in line with this card. And when you get up to the front, you hand it to the person at the front of the line and they swipe it. And they know, okay, it's been this long since we gave them the card. And so this is, this is how long the wait is from point A up to the, the front of the line. And that's, that's how they tell. But it, it depends on them giving the card to someone who's waiting in line. And we had that, that opportunity when uh, we got in line to meet Darth Vader. Now, uh, Hannah Claire wasn't so sure about meeting Darth Vader. In fact, when we got to the Death Star and Darth Vader was there, she, she hid. 
She didn't want to get too close to him. But when we were in line, they tried to give Hannah Claire the card to wait in line with. And, and the, the woman who, who worked there at Disney World, she was trying to make it fun, and she was kind of getting in character. And she handed Hannah Claire the card, and, and she, she said, are you going to be loyal to the Empire? And, of course, the Empire is, is evil, right? That's, that's Darth Vader's group. And so Hannah Claire looked at her like, are you crazy? Why would I be loyal to the Empire? And, and the lady was trying to give her the card to wait in line. But she was like, are you going to be loyal to the Empire? We need you to be loyal to the Empire. And Hannah Claire wouldn't take it. We, we wound up taking the card. I don't remember who held it. But, but she was saying, I'm not going to be loyal to the Empire. We have to decide who we're going to pledge allegiance to. Are we going to pledge allegiance? Are we going to be loyal to the Empire of the world and its ways? Or are we going to be loyal to Jesus Christ, the insurgent king who comes in and reigns and takes over wherever we allow him, but only when we allow him, only when we give him that authority to reign? Who are we going to give our allegiance to? Who are we going to be loyal to? Once we allow him to reign, once we allow him to come in and take control, his kingdom has no borders. His kingdom can go wherever God allows it to go as long as there is a faithful body of believers who put him first, who allow him to take control, who allow him to take authority. Uh, the past few weeks we've had the General Conference of the United Methodist Church. We've talked about it some in here, uh, the, the controversies, the debates, the things that have gone on. And there was this, uh, this moment where it really looked like the United Methodist denomination might split. And instead, the Council of Bishops got together and they basically kicked the can down the road a little bit and said, we'll get back together on this in a couple of years. But some of you have come up to me and expressed concern and, and have asked, well, what's going to happen? Do you know what, what this is about? Is the denomination going to split? What's, what's going to happen? And rightfully so. I can understand why, why you would be concerned. Uh, this, this, after all, is, is the church. It's your church. And, and it's the denomination that oversees your church. And so it's, it's good to know what the future holds. But I'll tell you this much. As long as we are faithful as long as Jesus Christ has the authority over us, this church will be okay. Because the denomination can or may or eventually one day fall apart or split or take on a different shape or different form. Who knows? But the church of God, the global church of Jesus Christ, the body of believers who are the faithful remnant, nothing can destroy them. We are God's people if we allow him to reign over us. As long as we do that, nothing can happen to us. But we have to be willing to allow God, to allow Jesus Christ to flow, to move, to act in and around us, to, to act within us. We must be willing to let him set up his throne in our hearts, his throne here in this church. We must allow him to have control. When I was uh, a child, my parents used to take me down to this elementary school just a couple blocks from, from our house, and uh, we would go down there on Saturdays or Sundays. We would play on the playground. We would play in the football field, baseball field. We would have a great time. 
But there was this water fountain. It was one of those old fountains that you, you step on the pedal and the water comes up. And, uh, and, and it was so good after you'd been, especially if it was the, the spring or summertime and you'd been running around, it was so good to run over there to that fountain and step up on it and have that, that water come splashing up. But over the years, it got harder and harder to do. And the pipe was galvanized and you would step on it and, and it would come up a little bit less, a little bit less. And eventually got to where you had to get down really low to get any water from it. And then one day, you stepped on it, and it didn't work anymore. The water had been shut off. There was no water going to it anymore. And then, years later, I go to the school, and uh, my, my little brother wound up going there. So I was there near the playground, and I saw that they had put a new water fountain out there in this place. And it worked just fine. That's how it is with the church. If we don't let Jesus Christ come in and take over and flow through us and move around us, it's eventually going to be shut off. And I said that that as long as we are faithful, this church has nothing to worry about. But there are many churches that have a lot to worry about. Because they haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ. They've put their faith in, in their efforts, in their building, in their denomination. And Jesus Christ is no longer alive there. He's no longer reigning there. He's no longer moving through them. And when that happens, he can shut it down. But the good news is, he'll put a new church in its place. Because Jesus Christ will reign. He will find people who are faithful. There will always be a faithful remnant. There will always be covenant partners. The question is, are we going to be a part of that? Are we going to be a part of that covenant and let him take control through us? If we do, no harm can befall us because God wants to work through us and he wants to work for our good. Paul says in Romans, all things work together for good. But it's conditional. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And loving the Lord involves more than just lip service. It involves more than just saying, yes, we're we're part of the church and nodding our head. Loving the Lord involves our heart. It involves our mind. It involves uh, our surrendering our wills so that he can come in and have ultimate authority. Like the other biblical covenants, God intends to keep his promise to David, to keep his promise to true Israel, to keep his promise to us. The church. It's a promise made, yes, through David and and to David and and his sons, and it's made through David and his descendants, and it's made through Jesus Christ, but it is also extended to us. Christ will reign forever. And just as he promised David, he will give you your own place, he will give you rest, he will give you victory over your, your enemies, and he will work all things together. For your good, as long as we love him and as long as we trust him with our hearts, our minds, our souls. When we do this, he is truly free to reign in the church and in our lives and nothing can destroy us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the covenants that you made 
through Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. We thank you that those covenants are still standing, still relevant, still meaningful for us. We thank you that you have included us as your people, part of your nation, as long as we receive you with faith and we participate in that covenant with you. Lord, we ask that in these times that you strengthen us, that you help us to to recognize this as your church and not ours, that we let you flow through here, that we let you sit on your throne here so that you can reign. For as long as we surrender that place to you, as long as we surrender our, our hearts and our lives to you, no harm can befall us.